Please turn in your Bibles tonight to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and we are into verse 5, and we will finish up into verse 6. While you're turning there, I, I just want to say that, you know, you see Ryan up here leading the music some, you'll see Seth maybe up here leading the music some, and I just want to say after a conversation with Brother David Myrick that he he has a great interest in these young men and seeing them develop. So he's here and, and always ready to lead uh, concerning the music in whatever way, but but he wants to work in their lives and help them too, so I'm thankful for that. Okay, we are in the Love Series this month for the month of February, and oh, how important we have found the love of God in our lives to be, that it be active in our lives. Because without His love, in anything and everything we do, it's going to be null and void before the Lord. There will be no reward for any deeds that have been done that are not done in love. Second John chapter eight, uh, Second John verse eight. There's only one chapter. It says, "Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward." And one way that we're going to be able to do that is by being very sensitive to the fact that that everything we do, that it is in love. We can do. We can say. We can pray, we can sing, we can preach, but without love, we lose. So may we search ourselves tonight and and measure the activity of love in our own lives. That's the most good that's going to happen is if our focus is on self and we will be helped and we will be able to abound in love. Last week we shared that love is not hasty, it suffereth long, it is helpful, it's kind, it's happy with who who we are and what we have, because love envieth not. It's humble, it vaunteth not itself, it's not haughty, it's not puffed up, and love doesn't act haphazardly. It doth not behave itself unseemly. And so that's what we shared last week. And tonight we're going to look at how love is not self-directed. Love is not a stick of dynamite. Love is not a scorekeeper of deeds. And love is not satisfied with another's destruction. So as we get into... Verse 5, it says, Love seeketh not her own. Now, now this may not be the one personal point of description here that hits you, but I tell you what, when I first read it, and even after reading it several times, I almost have a pause when I get to this one particular description of love. It is not self-directed. Love seeketh not her own. It, 
It seems to be the have the, the most powerful impact of, of all of them, even though every one of them are equally important. But when I think about that, that love seeketh not her own, it reminds me of a, a man, a, a preacher, when he was a teenager, and he met a young lady. And the next night, he, he wanted to take her to dinner, and so he went all out. He took her to an expensive restaurant. He liked spending time with her. He was, the next day he was nervous, needing to come up with something to do, and, and nervous whether she would accept, so he invited her to the movie, and she went to the movie with him, and then it, it came the weekdays, and it's like, I've got to see her during the week. What can we do? Maybe putt-putt? Or, he just kept coming up with things in order to be able to see this young lady because it pleased him. It made him happy to be with her. He married that young lady some years later, and then things changed. Not that he was unhappy anymore, but it wasn't about his happiness. It was about saying things or doing things then that made her happy. What changed? What happened? He grew in love. He matured in love. Love does not seek its own. It seeks someone else. One preacher said one time, uh, if you meet a guy and it's all of girls and it's, and it's all about his boat and his this and, and his that and nothing to do with what you want, run. Run as fast as you can. And it was just a kind of a lighthearted little talk on it. But love seeketh not her own. Love is not self-directed. It directs itself to someone else. Love never pursues self-benefit. It serves, and it does not look to be served. It doesn't judge the love of others. It simply loves. It simply pours out love to others. It does not insist upon its own rights. To love is not focused on getting Love is focused on giving. Love does not play the victim. To take the stand that I am not loved, I should be loved, you should be loving me, look, that puts our hearts and our minds in such a place that that there's no room for us to be loving if it's all about something to do with us. It does not play the victim ever. Love does not blame. Love will surrender. It will submit and it will accept the blame rather than cover by accusing someone else. Love doesn't seek to be acknowledged. Love acknowledges. It doesn't set traps and tests for the love of others to respond to it. Love does not police the love in someone else's life, but looks to, looks to self to make sure that self is loving. 1 Corinthians 10.24 says, Let no man seek his own. Philippians 2.4 says, Look not every man on his own things. It's hard to stay on guard of self and to be giving love to the saints. 
we're really going to be doing one or the other. Love doesn't have someone to demand that it be received. Love is doled out. It's given to someone else. We're not focused on being a love receiver. We're focused on being a love giver when love is active in our lives. Love never takes on the attitude, poor me. As the Holy Spirit moves us to love, the Holy Spirit is going to be convicting us of selfishness because this love of God, it is not selfish. You know, the the highest level of unhappiness in a person is when they can't see beyond themselves. And it has to be all about them. That, you know, to be so focused on self and that everything is done for oneself, and, and think about it, that makes one very unhappy. It's not meant to be. That's not what the love of God is, and that's not what it does. No one will enjoy the abundant life that Jesus gives when they seek their own because love seeketh not her own. The poet prayed, Lord, let me live from day to day in such a forgetful way that when I kneel to pray, my prayer shall be for others. When it's about others and not self, That is the love of God working in our lives. Love is not self-directed. Love is not a stick of dynamite. Look on with me, uh, continuing in verse 5. Love is not easily provoked. Love doesn't have a short fuse. It is not easily angered. The fruit of the Spirit is love. And another fruit of the Spirit is temperance. There is self-control in love. There is control of our feelings and emotions when God's love is loving through us. Some people act on their feelings and emotions and they call it love. Certainly there are feelings and emotions in love. But love is the leader, not our feelings. Love does not sweep us off of our feet. Love is a choice. And love is an action that comes from us. Love is not this free-flowing, flooding mess of feelings and emotions all over the place. That's not what love is. Philippians 1.9 says, And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more. And the verse doesn't end there. It gives to riverbanks. That it may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. There is control in love. Love is not something that is out of control and some free-flowing, mushy mess. We cannot let feelings and emotions control us because feelings and emotions are touchy. They are easily offended, quickly tempered, and aroused to resentment. But love is not ready 
and quickly anxious to take offense. Love is not enraged by insults. Feelings are. So love kicks in and controls the feelings and controls the emotions, controls the situation. Love is not stirred to bitterness when injured. There's a verse in Proverbs. I didn't write down the address of it. I can give it to you later if you want it. But it says, He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh a city. Ecclesiastes 7.9 says, Be not hasty in thy spirit to be angry, for angry resteth in the bosom of fools. When we are walking in the love of God and have that control, that is a powerful thing. To blow up in anger, that is not love. Love is not a stick of dynamite. We're tempted to anger. There are things that irritate us. That's what that word provoked uh, means. It means irritated. So we're tempted to anger. But when we respond with control, when, 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 when love wins over the anger, when love swallows up the anger and we act in control, that is love. And, and I'm not sitting here saying that's an easy thing. It's a powerful thing. When love rules, we're either going to blow up though or we're going to grow up. We're headed in one direction concerning this love of God that we might quit being so easily provoked or so easily irritated. When you step out the door of your house or pick up the phone to do business with somebody, there's so much unfairness and, and incompetence today. It's so easy to get irritated immediately. The, the job will cause it. Sometimes the family will even cause it. There's enough of, of these unfair things or, or dishonest things that are going on in the world that would keep us flying off the handle continuously. But where love is exercised, we can keep our composure with others. And the feelings and the emotions stay under control. And we can, we can act sensibly in love. Love is not a scorekeeper of deeds. It says, the end of verse 5, that love thinketh no, e- no evil. And that phrase means to sit down as a matter of account. Or in other words, to keep record. Love does not keep record. This story comes to my mind and, and I can make it fit. And... Uh, well, I, I had a friend, and they asked me to officiate a, a wedding for someone in their family. The, my friend, not a Christian, but I worked with him for several years and really liked him, want to see him come to the Lord, uh, and, and I love him. He's a friend. I love him today. But, but he asked me if I would officiate a wedding for someone in his family, and there, there was an issue. There was, there was a condition going on. That didn't give me peace with being able to do so. But before I ever talked to them, I said, okay, I'll talk to them. But if I can't do it, no hard feelings, okay? And he said, no problem. 
Well, I went and talked to them hoping for the best, but, but the, the situation didn't present itself in such a way to where I could, and I immediately told my friend, and, um, well, I had said no hard feelings. Uh, there were hard feelings, though. What I did was right and in love, but, and, and not in evil, but I tell you that story because four or five years later, you know, they, they retired from their job, and, and I sent them a message saying how happy I am for them. They were my favorite boss and the hardest worker and appreciated them, and, and I, I received a very short answer back, and, and uh, the grudge is still going on. And I say that because in the idea of love, thinking no evil, that means that one thing that means is that love does not hold a grudge. Love doesn't keep track of what is suffered. Love doesn't keep account of evil. How do we know we're not keeping a record of the things we've suffered? How do we know we're not keeping a record of the evil? that has come against us? Well, one way is by not speaking about it. It's good whenever, whenever love leads us to not even speak about it. If we're talking about what's been done, and we're talking about it on and on, and over and over, we're scorekeeping. And love has no business in scorekeeping. It doesn't do that. Love thinketh no evil. You know... If you're not talking about it, you're not scorekeeping, most likely your, your heart's in such a condition that you don't want any revenge. You know, you'd, you don't want any, any more evil to come upon the situation. You, you don't want to talk about the evil. You're not trying to pay back the evil. At camp uh, two years ago, Lakeway received strict instructions from the camp that, hey, you do not cross the public road. If you need to cross the public road, then we will escort Lakeway across. And I said, yes, sir, got you. So we had our little camp meeting of rules, and I said, okay, the public road right over here. And all the campers knew where it was. I said, we do not cross that road. Don't even walk toward that road. Don't look at the road. And and one little elementary camper spoke up and said, don't even think about the road. <laughs> and that was some good advice. It falls right in with this. Love doesn't entertain evil thoughts. Love doesn't blame others for their suffering of evil. Love does not impute evil to others. Love doesn't gloat over the wickedness of others. Ephesians 5, 11, and 12 says, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them, for it is a shame to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. Love doesn't do the evil. Love doesn't go toward the evil. Love doesn't talk about the evil. Love does not think about the evil. And by this policy... Look, love frees us that, that, we will be, that we will be grudge free, that we will be revenge free, and we won't keep that record book and hold on to it.
until someone makes that someone makes that situation right in our lives. Love frees us from that. Love thinketh no evil. It's not a scorekeeper. Love is not satisfied with another's destruction. Look with me in the first four words of verse 6. Rejoiceth not in iniquity. Love rejoices not in iniquity. A cattleman sent his son out to take care of the cows. And a cow got out of the gate. And that cow goes wandering off and and the little boy's learned some things from his dad. There's no herding dogs around, but he, but he does what he can to get that cow back in the He's doing everything he can to get that cow back in the gate. And that cow just keeps wandering off afar and just keeps going. The more he tries to get that cow back in the gate, the more the cows go in the other direction. And that boy, he just stopped and started bawling. And he says, can't you see the pasture over here? Can't you see that there's hay, all the hay you need? There's water. There's some shelter for you to go under in the shade. There, everything you need is there. And I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to guide you to the best place you could possibly be. And, and here you are just going astray. Just go on then. Not that, not that that's okay. But he, but he starts crying saying, can't you see that I care about you? And I'm trying to help you and lead you back to where you belong. Because of love, when it's active in our lives, it hurts when others keep choosing sin. Love does not find any joy in the wrongdoing of others. We are not glad when others suffer the consequences of sin. We, we hope, we hope that, that those things get their attention like it's got our attention before. But we, we are not happy when anyone suffers the consequences of sin. And love never gives up on anyone. Love, love causes us to picture a backslidden Christian life right with the Lord, right where they should be. It, it helps us to picture the unsaved who have rejected the Lord over and over. It helps us to picture them being saved. Because God is God and His salvation is mighty, we never give up on someone being saved. Anything wrong in God's sight grieves the heart of the one who is walking in love. God bless the Christian who's all balled up inside, grieving over someone else's life. Because when love is active from God in our life, that's one thing that's going to happen. Love wants the best for another. Therefore, love doesn't slight, and love doesn't excuse the sinful slavery that another is in. Love wants to help. There are no excuses that will be given for that sinful bondage. Love is not okay with iniquity. You know, there, there's, a, there's a 
biblical process in the church that, that is to help someone else for their lives to be restored. And so many people don't understand it. For some reason, so many people don't want to understand it. But, but if it could be seen that there's a foundation of love in it all, and the finale of it is love, I think people would appreciate it and honor it more. The hope and the prayer for, for any action to help a member for their lives to be restored, look, that's, that's a good thing. 1 Corinthians 5 talks about it. There's, there's some scripture in 2 Corinthians 2 when, when God the Holy Spirit is, is speaking through Paul and, and, and writing to the church again to say, restore this individual to the membership. It was obviously in the case of that young man that the Holy, for the Holy Spirit to guide Paul to tell them to, to carry out what needed to be done, that it was obviously that that was the thing that needed to be done for that young man. And, and then, on the other end of it, when Paul writes to them again, he speaks of the restoring of that young man, that he be forgiven, comforted, and the church will confirm their love toward him. He got right with the Lord. And he was back in the church. And, and, and how could he not think, wow, this was, this was love the whole time. The church loved me. And I'm in the condition that I'm in now because the church was faithful to God and didn't think about man. And, and I am restored and I know the love of my church for me. He had to be thinking that. So when that has to happen as a last resort, it will take place because love has a desire to see a member restored, the restoring of a soul. Love suffers within over the bondage of another sin. Well, love is not selfish. It doesn't blow up. It doesn't keep score. It does sorrow over the sins of another. May we be helped by God in His Word and that God has given us a description to, to picture and to consider the acting out of. But, but remember, it's not just about trying to act something out and go through the motions of it. I saw a Christian movie on love one time, and it was so much about the actions that are to be done, but not the power that helps to produce the actions. Because this does not describe human love. But it does describe the love that God is. And be encouraged, church, as we close, and be full of confidence that this love has been shed abroad in our hearts. And as we grow, it's God's... Look, we need to grow, and God knows we need help to grow in it. 
And God is helping us to grow in His love. That when we look at this description, that when somebody looks at this description, they're going to think of something in your life. They're going to think of something in your life because God has done a work in your life that that we may be more like His Son every day and that we might love with the love of God, that this love might describe us more and more. Be encouraged because that is going to happen. The more we walk with the Lord, the more we're in His Word, the more we see that we need to depend on Him for this love to flow in our lives and all what it will do for a marriage what it will do for an entire family, what it will do for a parent toward a child, what it will do for a church when we're, when we're all abounding more and more in this love of God. Amen? Well, with that, I don't know why Corey and Portia had to leave, but, but pray for them. And, um, and we're going to go ahead and, and close in a word of prayer. And uh, I'm going to ask David Myrick if he'll close us in prayer tonight.